Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the final Squiggly Queers podcast of 2019. Hooray! I'm 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 normally happy about it, but it feels like something we should be. No, I've got a bit of a cold this week, so I do feel like I've got to the end of the year. That's it now. (laughs) I'm I'm depleted. (laughs) You know when you like fall over for Christmas and you're at home and all your family's like, want to spend some quality time with you, and you're just like, I'm really tired. I'm really tired. I need to go to sleep. (laughs) I feel like this is it. I've got this podcast in me, and I don't think I've not got loads left. Um, Well, I'm going to ask you some really hard questions to maybe get prepared for that this is part two of our 20 questions for 2020 uh, and in last week in the part one we asked things like what one thing do you want to try out for the first time in 2020 and what three words would you like people to use to recommend you that's the sort of things we're going to be covering and last week we both answered some of those and we're going to do the same thing this week so we have another 10 questions for you <laughs> you're going to be really questioned out you'll be like i wanted a relaxing christmas we just talked about people needing a relaxing christmas break and we're like ask yourself all these, ask questions. Yourself all these questions and obviously people we know listen to these when they're running when they're (laughs) like maybe driving so we appreciate you might not have a pen and paper like with you to answer all of these questions so we'll put them on our website so if you want to get the full list of 20 questions head over to amazingif.com print them out grab yourself a cup of tea over christmas (laughs) and have some fun (laughs) it might be a relaxing break from whatever else is going on over christmas to be fair like the little quiet time in the middle so we're going to take it in turns to ask each other these questions. Uh, we've not had loads of time to think about the answers, so you might hear us sort of thinking on the spot a little bit, but hopefully that's quite helpful. And I'm going to ask Sarah the first one. So this is question 11 of our part, uh, part two of our, of our series. Um, Sarah, if you are the byproduct of the five people that you spend time with, who do you want those people to be? So I think a really useful starting point for answering this question is to reflect on who are the five people that you spend the most time with today and are they the right people? As I was thinking about this question, I think those five people have really changed for me over the last 12 months as I've transitioned into running Amazing If full time. Actually, it's probably only Helen that I spend a lot of time with. Am I all of your five people? You basically are. <laughs> but you actually, can't change me. No, that's true. I can't. Uh, but I can add to you. Okay. Because okay. I was thinking, probably, I suppose, the difference between running your own very small company versus being inside of a company is actually we spend a lot of time together and that's always great because it's always enjoyable and motivating and I think we're good at challenging and learning from each other and actually getting even better at that as we keep working together. But actually the rest of the people that I spend time with tends to be quite short amounts of time. 
and it feels a bit more transitionary. So you might have some really good quality time with people, but you perhaps only see them once every three or four months, or you're perhaps even doing a podcast interview with somebody. Mm. And, and so you have a really brilliant conversation and you come away from those things feeling very inspired. But I actually don't think I have today five consistent people that I spend time with who are a real mix of people. So I feel like actually that's an action for me mm. for next year because... I like having small groups of close, trusted networks. And I definitely do have that in some long-term mentors and some people who would support me. But it very much in kind of an ad hoc way. And I think actually reflecting on who are the five people who I want to spend time with, who I think are going to help us as we grow and develop and experiment with our business. And help you, individually. Yeah, yeah and, and support me. I'm almost less worried about that, I think, because I feel like I've got really good mentors supporting me in my career like generally Mm -hmm. who I can call on when I need but I think actually running your own business is so new to both of us and actually when we chat to people about it now it's a whole new set of skills and things to think about Mm -hmm. books to read just to see the amount of books I've got to read about you know growing a business how to think about running your own business I'm about to completely change my study around because I've got so many books that I need another bookcase so I'm I'm selling my desk I'm buying a smaller desk and we're building a new bookcase just because so many books I used to have a bookcase behind one of my doors that was half books and then half like shoes and just other like bits and bobs and now it is 90% 90% books <laughs> and I've got like one shelf that has like some of my jewellery on all of my shoes have like gone somewhere else I think we're both creating like our sort of dream home library but yeah, like incrementally <laughs> and so actually this question has prompted me to realise I think probably that other than you I probably don't have those other three or four people in the same way as I would have had previously when I was working in companies where I think actually I would have found it really easy to answer a, who those people were, but also were they people giving me energy? Were they people who were draining my energy? What was their impact on me? Like my action has been to start to think about who are those people and how do I make time to spend time with them? Yeah, so I've, I've ducked really answering that question. <laughs> um, but one that I definitely need to go away and think about a little bit more. So number 12, so one for you. And this is really based on values. And we've done podcasts before on values, how to discover your values. And this question is a really useful way, I think, to start your kind of reflecting on values. And it's what's most important to you about where you work, what you work on and who you work with, which I appreciate is kind of cheating because that is really three questions in one. (laughs) So what's important to you about where you work, what you work on and who you work with? So perhaps you can give us just the kind of short couple, answer for each of them. Yeah. Um, so the where you work, so what's important to be about where I work. So we don't have an office. Lots of people always ask us, like, yeah. where, where's your office? Like, we don't have one. And we're quite happy not to have an office. I quite liked having an office when I worked in big companies because it was a central point that my team could come to, but never really liked feeling like you had to be in it every day. That always felt a bit claustrophobic. So what's important to me about where I work now is that I have access to lots of different spaces where I can get lots of different work done. And what I mean by that is I quite like sometimes having access to meeting rooms, but I don't want to have to have a permanent office to do that. So I like some places where I can meet with people and have different conversations like Sarah and I are having one today, for example. But I also like working in open spaces What it's made me realise this year, Sarah and I have memberships at loads of different places because we don't have an office. We still have to have lots of different places that we can work. And what I've realised this year is what's important to me about where I work is I quite like some consistency in those places because I quite like to see some familiar faces when I go into them, whether it's like the people on reception or... Yeah, you do always know everyone, actually, everywhere we go. I really like it. I feel like it makes a place that 
I have no real belonging in. I mean, it's a co-working place where everyone's really transient, but it makes it feel welcoming when you just know a few people in it. So I've realised that it's not just about working absolutely anywhere. There are sort of like three or four places I like to go consistently because it's familiar and because there's some people in there that make it feel a bit more human and not just a place with some chairs in. (laughs) So that's my where I work. Uh, What I work on, projects. So that's going to sound really simple, but I've realised that I get quite frustrated by being... Even though I'm not always organised, I think mentally I compartmentalise in my head. So when I'm working on things, I quite like to work on a project and then onto another project rather than, okay, I've got to do this little bit over here and this little bit over here. And I think the distractions and too much multitasking frustrates me and means I don't do my best work. So for me... What's important to me about the work that I work on is that I have discrete projects and I can work on a couple of different projects at a time, but separately, if that makes sense, not at the same time, just I can have multiple projects on the go as long as I do a couple of hours on one, a couple of hours on another. So I definitely find that easier. And do you think that's because, so just listening to you talk then and knowing what your values are, mm. one of your values, is it your number one value is achievement or is it freedom? Freedom's my number one, but Which goes to the high, where yeah. you work point. Definitely. And then achievements in there as yeah, well. Yeah, achievements really high. And do you think that links to projects in terms of, uh, yeah. if you think about the amount of achievement that you will feel probably from the multitasking bits and bobs, it's probably much, much lower yeah. than feeling like, oh, I've done a substantial piece of work. Yeah. So if you're listening and you're thinking, well, how do these questions help you with your values? As you're listening to Helen, you can probably start to guess that freedom and achievement are really important to you. And I'd actually like to be even more, my kind of even better if for next year on that, knowing that that's important to me, is I'd quite like to explicitly tie the projects back to a, a significant business goal mm. so that I can say, I know that by doing that particular project today, I'm moving towards this goal that's important to Sarah and I. And my last one is um, not dissimilar to um, the Sarah one, actually, about the, who you spend time with. So what's most important to you about who you work with? For me, I like, I always call them bright, sparky people. So high energy. Which I take as a compliment, by the way. <laughs> yeah, bright, sparky. <laughs> bright, sparky people who are, have got energy and ideas and want to make things happen. And I would add to that generous people and people who are generous with their time and their insight and their knowledge. I think that is becoming, because I would like to think that I operate like that. That's becoming increasingly important in the relationships, the new relationships that I'm building. It comes from a place of generosity. Yeah. Okay, so uh, let's move on to question 13 then. So this one's for you, Sarah. Who could you build a better relationship with to help you or your team, that might be me, uh, do a better job? <laughs> yeah, well, we also put in that question, or your manager. And did, yeah. you, did you admit that? Because you were like, am I Sarah's manager? Like, <laughs> do we manage each other? Um, Co-manager. But I think it is a really good question because I think often we think about our relationships that we're building at work in a very direct way. So who are the people that I need to know to help me do my day job better? Very true. And I think what we're trying to encourage everybody to think about here is a little bit broader. So think about the other people, your peers, who you work with, and also your manager or people in other teams. Back to this generosity point, it's actually just thinking about who else can you help or you can support. And we often talk about this uh, idea of career karma. Mm. And I, I really believe in that. I don't think you always get the career karma back in that exact moment or that month. But I do think doing good things for the right reasons it always pays off it's always always good yeah um so I was thinking about this and I've got a very specific one a very specific action so I think we've talked about it before that Helen uh, has started to have some very specific mentoring around her role as CEO for Amazing If and that's something that I've not really got involved in Helen's gone off and sorted it out for herself to be clear I knew she was a CEO that wasn't a surprise to me (laughs) but she has gone off and had those mentoring conversations and then does a brilliant job at sharing what she learns um, and we talk about that 
But what I've not done yet is thought about my network and the CEOs within that network who Helen could potentially go and spend time with. So my action was to think about three CEOs that I know that Helen wouldn't have talked to otherwise that I can make the introduction for. Amazing. So there you go. Okay, I look forward to this. Yes. I love so, these meetings. Um, and also just bearing in mind, I think that that's something you're doing that we are already getting incredible value from. Mm. Always being on the lookout for if I meet somebody who I think also might know some interesting CEOs. You know, always kind of having it on your radar is like, I might have a mentor who's not a CEO, but who knows a brilliant CEO and who mm. could introduce us and that could then be really useful. So that's a very specific one. Um, and a slightly minor point, I definitely encourage people to think about that kind of mentoring approach for next year. So I just thought, oh, I've got some knowledge gaps in terms of the jobs that I do. So whether you are, I don't know, an accountant or maybe you work in procurement, just get yourself mentored by somebody else who does that job in a different company, in a different context. So it can be a small company or a big company, maybe they freelance, just lots and lots of different contexts. And all I basically ask people is, like, how do you spend your time? Like, what's a day in a life? Uh, what are some of your challenges? who do you learn from and learn with I actually ask the same questions to everybody so I can start to spot themes so I didn't I'd recommend doing that as a bit of an approach and then I just write it all up and I try to make it memorable when I write it up so I try to almost summarize things into headlines that are both useful to play back to that individual but also useful for me to remember it for the future definitely recommend it and so the next question question 14 And this was inspired by the TED Talk that Margaret Heffernan has done. And she's somebody who's also been very supportive of the squiggly career. She's had a read of it and given us a quote, which I'm very grateful for. And she talks about having statements that you're prepared to kind of defend or stand behind. So I thought it'd be a good question for us all to kind of ask ourselves, and specifically Helen's going to have to have a go at answering it now, is what three statements about work are you prepared to stand behind or defend? However, kind Ooh, of, so it's quite a big question, isn't it? It's a big it? question. And I did think about this one actually on the train this morning because I thought I can't just like oh, reel these off the head. top of my head. Then maybe I should be able to, but I thought about it. And so the three statements that I am prepared to stand behind or defend are, number one, I believe that hard work and being nice to people will take you far. And I've kind of warred with that a little bit because I thought, oh, is it enough just to be nice to people? And does that make you really, I don't know, weak? And I thought, no, actually, I'm really happy that if I just work really hard and I'm sort of nice to people, then that's <laughs> going to take me far and I'll be happy with the person I am at the end of that. I have it on a big poster as well in my study. So that feels like a mantra that is important to me. The second thing and statement that I believe in, I think we should stand behind, is that I believe we could, should focus on output and impact not minutes and hours so this is particularly in the context of how people work I think the kind of older way of working was you know you've got to be in nine to five and if you've finished all your work you just stay there and tap out and sit in front of your screen just until the clock ticks <laughs> to five o'clock and then you go and I don't think that's the way that work should be I think we should know what output is good for people and I think we should focus on the impact individuals make and we should structure work around that not some sort of slightly irrelevant nine to five structure that might be in people's diaries that statement really struck home to me when we recently did the Christmas party podcast and we were interviewing Lizzie mm. um, and Lizzie is the founder of a company called the Hoxby they're just called Hoxby now, aren't they? They used to be called Hoxby Collective, but they're just Hoxby now. And she does that job in three days a week. Mm. And it just blew me away. And she's just so clear on output, outcome. She's clearly spent quite a lot of time working out how that three days will work for her in Mm. her role and her capacity. And I was just full of admiration for that. Mm. Uh, Because I think as much as I believe in what you've just said, I still think the reality is really hard. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not the reality, not for us now, not the reality of sitting at your desk post 5pm because I've actually never been in a job really where that's been a thing, not in terms of being kind of really like presenteeism and that sort of mm. stuff. But I probably have been in jobs where 
you just keep working more and more hours. It's almost endless. And I actually think running your own business becomes endless. Mm. There's always stuff that we could be doing. But I think actually recalibrating that and think, well, yes, that's true. But ultimately, what's the impact I'm having? It's just such a good way to think about it. I might reframe it, actually, because you said the word outcomes, and I think that's nicer than output, because output sounds a little bit like a family fraud. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to say, I believe we should focus on outcomes and impact, Ah. not minutes and hours. And my last one is uh, totally stolen by somebody else who I can't credit because I don't know who said it. But the statement that I believe in is that we rise by lifting others. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. So question 15, back to you, Sarah. It's like ping pong. Um, Who could you start the year by saying thank you to for supporting you in your career so far? Oh, I actually (laughs) find this question really hard because I think there are a lot of people almost going, oh, is there one person who's been so transformational? I actually don't think that's true. I think I've had a collection of people who have been very supportive over a very long period of time. And actually, it's been particularly pertinent over the last few months as we've been starting to promote our book and we've been talking to lots of companies where we're going in and going to go and do workshops or talk to those companies and in return they're supporting us by buying our book. I've got in touch with lots of people and said, oh, you know, would you be interested? And it is amazing how many people are, hopefully they think the content's going to be really good, but I also think they're just being very supportive. And so it's quite a long list. Though what they have (laughs) of people who are all being very supportive, I'm very grateful for. But something that is a commonality, I guess, between some of these people is probably my last four or five direct managers. Mm -hmm. And so actually, probably over the last six or seven years, maybe even longer, I'm still in touch with every manager that I've worked for. People like Sarah Benison, who is on the board now at Nationwide, who's got an amazing job. And she, I think, probably was the first person who showed me the art of the possible in terms of my career. And I've got a lot to thank her for. And she's being very supportive of our book and, and wants us to go and talk over at Nationwide, which is great. I then worked for another Sarah. I feel like I'm really, like, narcissistic. Like, just go and work with people with the same name as you. Um, I then worked for another Sarah called Sarah Warby, who was also just a brilliant leader to work for. I think I learned a lot about leadership 
felt very privileged actually to kind of work for her and she's in an amazing CEO role now. I then worked for a lady called Alex Cole who was a director of corporate affairs and she was um, an incredible practitioner and also just a whirlwind of being brilliant at all the things I wasn't good at, mm. which actually made it hard at times, but also meant I think I learned the most, actually, in terms of just my learning curve was incredibly mm. high. And then I worked for two founders at the creative agency, both called Mark, so Sarah Mark, apparently, and particularly Mark Eves, who's still based in London. He's been very supportive of contacts that he's got to support us with our book, coming along to our launch, anything that he can do to support us, he, he always does. So when I think about those people... They are all people I've worked for, built long-term relationships with that I think are far beyond just the job that I was doing at that time. And I'm really proud of those relationships and, yeah, incredibly grateful to all of them because I think I took something different from each and every one of them. I was thinking when you were talking, actually, and I, I was looking at this question myself and thinking, oh, Sarah asks me this one, how would I answer it? And I would have done the same thing and thought about who are the managers that have made the biggest difference and, and named them. And what I realised in both what I would have said and what you just said is that they are the managers that are sort of more recent in our career. Like we've been mm. working for, I don't know, say like 15, 16, well, 17 years, I, I don't know, even, quite yeah. a while. And actually those those managers are sort of like the, the more recent sort of towards yeah. where we are now. And I was just wondering whether, why is that? Not it's, that recent though. I worked for Sarah 10 years ago. Mm, but why isn't it the ones that were like at, at the, the beginning? Yeah, yeah, it was that. None of mine would have been. No. Is it because we were finding our feet and didn't have yeah, the confidence in our development? Like, <laughs> and also, I don't think I knew what I was doing at that time. And you're not, well, I wasn't. And I don't think you were either. You're not in those jobs for very long. Is that it? I think we both moved around a lot at the very start of our careers as you're trying to figure out what you want mm. to do, what you enjoy. There was actually one manager I had that I'm not in touch with who was brilliant and she was towards the start of my career. And do you know the reason I remember her is when I accepted a job with her, she sent flowers to my house. That is so kind. Uh, she was called Shelley, Shelley Molson. So I can, and actually, I don't remember anyone's name and I can remember her <laughs> yeah. first and second name. Yeah. But I really remember getting that job with Shelley mm. and those flowers arriving at my house and that like blew me away as a she cares enough that I'm coming to yeah, join her so team kind. to do that. Yeah. It, was a, it was a massive gesture that I think I'll, I'll just never forget. And and she was also very, very good. But I think, again, probably because I moved from working in the Midlands to working in London, your life, I think, changes a lot and is a bit more transitionary when mm. you're a bit younger. Well, certainly it was for me. And then actually once I came to London, actually every single one of those managers are all since I moved down to London. So yeah. It's like a little mini a mini additional tip in there about like kind gestures, I think. What kind oh, yeah. gestures could you do next year that someone would I'd never, never forget? Th- yeah, I would actually would like to say thank you to her again. You need to find her. Find I her. Should, I'll, I'll should. Do some LinkedIn stalking. <laughs> I will, I will. Right, so we're on to question sixteen. And you'll love this one, I think. <laughs> and we didn't sort of plan which way around we were gonna do the questions, but this this question is made for wait, Helen. Wait for my answer. What one new work habit are you going to commit to trying for five days in a row next year? So, everyone, you've only got to have one. I do like a habit and I like a commitment and a five day like run of it. That sounds really good. Well, so there was one thing. <laughs> I said you're only allowed one. Okay, okay. Well, I've just got a new Peloton and I was like thinking about the corporate athlete thing and how <laughs> I'm very excited about this Peloton, everybody. So I was thinking I might do that every day, but I think maybe that's too indirect. So I've decided to do something else is going to be my tip. I did a career tip this week where I talked about, get ready for this, you're going to hate it. The goal, G-O-A-L, done hour. The golden hour. Do you, get, do you get it? I know Sarah, Sarah's like... I think I am actually losing right now. Live now. <laughs> okay, so the concept of the golden hour is that you spend one hour a day 
just absolutely deep working. So okay. what I call go dark. So turn monk your mode, as yeah, Bruce, monk, Bruce monk mode. Yeah, monk mode. So Bruce would Bruce say Daisley. that on the joy of work. Sarah and I'll say we're going dark. So turn off your Wi-Fi on your phone and your computer. Working very solidly in a concentrated way on a task or a project that supports a bigger goal. Okay. So what I would, I think I would get loads done if I had a golden hour, five days in a row. That's five hours of working, concentrated working on something. So I think you and I probably just need to decide <laughs> what that golden work is. Uh, yeah. But that's what I would like to do. I'd like to try out this concept. And it's something that I would quite like to continue with if I think it works. It's basically like just going dark for one hour a day, but spending that hour on one thing that it links to a bigger, bigger, goal. bigger goal. Yeah, because I actually don't... Th- I think I already do the golden hour quite easily. I'm quite happy to turn things off and be like, right, I'm going to spend an hour. Mm. Whether it always links to a bigger goal would be the bit that I would have to Mm. make sure the links in the chain all made sense. Mm -hmm. Um, But we were working on a proposal together this week and that's definitely how we got that proposal done Mm. was I think both of us going, I'll do an hour, you do an hour, Mm. I'll do an hour. And actually it worked really well. So just shows you, it does work. There you go. Okay, Uh, number 17, back to you. Name one person that inspires you outside of your organisation and how can you find out more about their work? So the person and almost the work that I'm really interested in is there is a book called Invisible Women. Um, It's won every book award under the sun this year. And the lady's name, and I'm not sure I'm going to pronounce them a little bit right, so forgive me, but it's Caroline, I think it's Criado Perez. She's actually great to follow on Twitter, if anyone likes Twitter. Really smart, exceptionally well-researched, and I've got the book at home. And it's sort of one of those books that, you know, you really want to read, but it's a hefty book. Like, I suspect this is a properly written, very well-researched, over a long period of time book. And actually, I saw her say the other day that she's not seen the book out in the wild yet which actually I really hope at some point we see our book as in I quite see somebody <laughs> just reading it and I can see why that would be like that'd be, that'd be really appealing <laughs> and I was thinking I don't know if anyone would be brave enough to tell her but I suspect the reason you've not is because it is a really chunky hardback book so there's no way I'm carrying that around London on the tube it's just too I suppose if you've got it in Kindle it'll be easier but books like that I think there's a lot in there I think about like data and how biased data can be in terms of women and gender so it's just something I'm fascinated about I've only heard brilliant things about it it's one like FT McKinsey book of business book of the year and again it's that thing of really delving into somebody's work and what they do what they stand for I'd love to interview at some point but there's no way I'd ask her until I'd like really got to grips with the work that she's done and actually I really admire that kind of depth of focus into something and I'm really intrigued to see it's a kind of subject matter and a kind of topic mm. that I'm naturally really passionate about anyway in terms of gender equality. And I feel like she is a real thought leader and kind of is really is really leading the way. So she is top of my list. And I think... How are you going to find out more? Well, I'm going to read the book okay. first. Okay, like, good start. Um, but I actually don't think it's... Because it's so easy. I think, you know, people like that... I bet she's got a TED Talk. I've actually not looked. But there'll be loads of things online that she's done. There'll be loads of summaries. Mm. And it'd be really easy to be quite superficial about it. But I think... I've started to follow her more on Twitter and sort of like some of what she's done, so that means it pops up more. The algorithms mm-hmm. are obviously working. So I feel like I've got to know a bit more about what she's doing, what she's interested in. I'm again going to read the book. And something that I've done recently, which has worked really well for me as a way to absorb learning when I'm reading something, is to then bring that to life through kind of a mini picture book almost. It's really so I, good. So I did this for Helen and I recently when I was reading a book called, I think, is it called Flywheel or mm-hmm. Turning the Flywheel? Mm-hmm. By a guy called Jim Collins, which is an excellent book around business strategy, if that's something you're interested in. Though that is a very short book. It's called a monograph. 
And I read it, but was trying to make sure that I could apply what I was learning to Amazing If. And so the, what I do with that is I take the concepts and then I try to draw them. I try to bring them to life by drawing the concept in some way. And that has really helped me to both read and enjoy the book, find it really interesting, but also apply it and remember it, I think. That's going to be my commitment, is to both read it, to be able to turn it into something that I could share with other people and then work out where I'm going to go from there. It's a bit like when people send us their notes on the podcast. I yeah. love that. So and obviously we don't expect everyone to do this, but some people will listen to the podcast and they'll make notes from an episode and sometimes they'll send us a picture and it's like, oh, wow, that, like you've really, really absorbed that. And there's a, a quote that I like that says, you've not really read a book unless you've left notes in the margin. And it's sort of the same sort yeah. of concept in that you've cognitively connected with what's in that book. So because you've actually written something down. And I think in our book, we made a real effort. We've written it a few times to say our ambition is for the squiggly career to be the most scribbled in, dogged, page turned down. I want people to drop it in the bath. I want people to be like handing it around to their friends. Oh, I'd love it if our book got shared between school friends. Like, redo this exercise. That'd be so fun. Um, So yeah, I really hope it's... I think there's always a risk, isn't there, with especially with like business books or workbooks that they they're really pristine. They oh, sit yeah, on people's no. bedside tables or bookshelves and they're really pristine. So that's the last thing I'd want for a book. I yeah. really, I don't want it to stay pristine. <laughs> <laughs> so next question number eighteen. Think about three strengths that you think you use at the moment at work, and then ask one person for some sort of strengths-based feedback. So that can sometimes sound a bit like. Um, can you tell me a bit about when I'm at my best in this project or where do you think I add most value at the moment at work? This could be with, you know, just a colleague or a peer or it could be um, your manager, someone you work for. And the idea with this question is it allows you to compare and contrast your positive intent to how you're hoping to show up in terms of the strengths that you, you'd like to be using, things you enjoy, things you'd like to use probably even more, and then the impact that that's having. So, It just allows you to do that comparing and contrasting of, I know I've got this stuff to give. Is that what the organisation and the people around me are gaining? Okay, so you want me to answer this. Okay, the three strengths that I use at work today. I think I use my strength of making things happen. Yeah. I think I use my strength of... I think of it, this sounds so arrogant, but I'm talking about strengths, so I'll do it. Smart thinking or quick thinking. So the ability to take information and quickly make connections and synthesize it. So I do that a lot. And the third one I think that I use quite a lot is my positive energy um, and using that with people. And the person... You're going to ask. I know, I was thinking about this. So I think we work really closely with somebody called Rhea, who I've never asked for feedback directly before. And Rhea's been working with us now for... Six months. Six months. And we've got a meeting with her tomorrow, conveniently. Yeah, so I think I'm going to ask Rhea. I think I'll ask her today, but for tomorrow, so she can have a bit of a think about it. When you ask people for this, some people you can kind of put on the spot and some people you you know need to let them mull it over a little bit. So I'm going to ask her for kind of when has she seen me at my best and we'll see we'll see if those three things get played back and if they do that's great because your you know your intent and impact are really aligned and if they don't it's actually a bit might be a bit of an opportunity because there might be some hidden strengths that you might have or I might have that you didn't know that were appreciated by other people so it's definitely you don't just have to have a match for it to be a good exercise actually sometimes when you get slightly different answers that can also be quite intriguing as well so that's what I would do 
Okay, number 19 uh, is all about grit. So grit is a concept which has been um, written about by a lady called Angela Duckworth, who is a professor, I believe, at Stanford University. And she's got a really good TED talk. And she defines grit as the passion and perseverance of long-term meaningful goals. So passion and perseverance for long-term meaningful goals. And grit isn't always easy. I think of it as like your ability to stick with stuff you care about. It's sort of like my, my version of her definition. And so the question is, think about something that you care about, that you want to stick with next year. What do you think is going to be your biggest blocker to doing that? So your grit blocker. And what do you think is going to be your biggest booster? So the thing that's really going to help you stick with it. So Sarah, I guess is the, what's the long-term meaningful goal is the question one. And then it's what's your blocker and what's your booster? So I think one of our goals, one of our collective goals for next year is to think about how we build our online community in terms of we've got our Squiggly Careers community on Facebook at the moment, which we've been testing this year. I still think we're trying to figure out what is the best way for us to be able to share our career development tools, techniques, things that we can help people with at scale using all the technology that exists. And we definitely think it's possible. We're just sort of trying to still figure out exactly how and and how that will work the best. If I think about what will boost that versus what will block it, I think for me at the moment, what would boost it is having a clearer sense of what does success look like. Yes. Um, I think for me, probably partly because I'm not part of that many online communities. And so it's, it's almost harder for me to visualise. And actually, when I was thinking about this, I definitely am a visioning, imagining person. So when I'm thinking about a goal that I want to achieve, I definitely start with the end in mind. And I find that incredibly motivating. And it does matter whether I get there or not. But in some ways, that's the propelling thought is, yes, knowing what the goal is, but also going, but this is the ultimate ambition. What is what is that? Some people talk about BHAGs, the big, hairy, ambitious goals or audacious goals. And I think that works really well for me in terms of keeping me really motivated. So I think something that would boost it would be having a clearer idea of, in 12 months' time, what would what would a brilliant active online career community that we have facilitated enabled made happen look like so that would be boost for me what would block it probably almost just a distraction of it's so easy I'm finding as you run your own business to have a really long to-do list and we've talked before about um how easy it is to kind of flit from one thing to another and I think probably particularly for me because I do like achieving goals sometimes that means I can prioritise things in the wrong order. So I actually think the biggest blocker to that would be getting my priorities, almost like my short-term and medium-term priorities, mixed up so that I would do things that were very short-termist to give me that hit of dopamine, that satisfaction, because I think, oh, I feel good about that and I feel like I've made some progress and it feels less abstract and you can almost like tick a box. And I still, ultimately, I am still very much a... Oh, I like to feel like I've achieved something. I also have achievement as a value. Whereas sometimes these bigger, longer term things, I think you almost have to create mini moments of success or moments of progress along the way. And so I think almost the biggest thing for me, both in terms of boosting and blocking, is taking the time with any goal to understand what the realisation of that goal could look like ultimately and then figuring out and what are the steps along the way. And then I think actually that really propels me. Mm. Then I think I'm, I'm actually very good at longer term things. I think I've actually got a lot of grit. I think I'm pretty determined as my 
boyfriend will tell you. <laughs> I think that's basically what most of my sporting prowess is down to. <laughs> Um, not that much talent, but quite a lot of uh, determination. He said to me the other day about us playing tennis, he's like, oh, I think you could have been really talented because your, your actual technique is horrendous. It's really <laughs> awful. And obviously, I didn't really have any coaching. He's like, you're horrendous, but you're, you're so, like, gritty. You're so determined. And that, I think, for me, is my thing, is going, I actually do have, I think one of my natural talents is having a bit of determination and a bit of grit, but I think it falls down a little bit if I can't see this end goal and these kind of moments along the way. <laughs> I love how you mock me and my husband for our slightly work chat sometimes and our, the fact that we have meetings with each other. But um, you and your boyfriend are giving each other like sporting feedback about your form and your... <laughs> yeah, well, we've decided like, so if our little boy, Max, if he could either get the best of us or the worst of us, if he gets the best of us, he could get... Because Tom's actually really talented, but not very gritty. Like he, <laughs> He's the kid that would like let other kids go past him on sports day because he didn't want to like like show off and win I mean that's lovely yeah that's so anti-me though I mean that's not the way to win is it so if you get my like competitive grit determination and Tom's actual talent I mean this kid could be amazing there's no way we would have been friends like at no no definitely school. not we weren't really friends at university Helen so that's when, <laughs> and that's how we met or our kid could get the worst of both of us in which case it's going to be an absolute nightmare so fingers crossed you would have hated me in like any sports situation you'd be like she's dragging the team down she's just stood there talking and she should yeah, be in goal defense or something not concentrating get out <laughs> I'd drop you been, I'd definitely have been dropped by Sarah so last question which maybe we should both talk about because yes. um, I think it'd be nice uh, so question 20 what would be the end of this sentence for you success at work for me in 2020 is I mean question it is isn't um, it? I think I could probably make my answer a bit more eloquent but given that might take a little bit more time than I've got now I'm just going to say the elements of it so success for me in 2020 is celebrating the moments because I think we've got some amazing moments coming up in the next 12 months and I think it'd be very easy to not because everything so much is going on so quickly I think it's easy to get them so I actually bought myself a really really nice diary that I'm not going to use as like a diary for my to-do list I'm writing in it every Sunday I write what's in like the week ahead and so that I can kind of really think about all the brilliant stuff that's happening in the following week so it's more like a celebration diary and something to look back on nicely so the first thing is celebrate the moment the second thing is scaling our impact and I'm going to leave that quite broad because I think we could do that in lots of different ways but I just want to keep going and growing with everything that we're doing and the third thing is something about enjoying it but I haven't quite got it but something about like having fun enjoying it like success for me would be you have some brilliant moments that you celebrate you're scaling your impact at the end of the year you're just like filled with joy and excitement to do more something like that but I can't like can't make it sound all nice yet that's good I think I'd gone for three words that I wanted to be able to use to like sum up the year. Yeah. Which for me were thinking, learning, growing. So you've got thinking, learning, growing. I reckon mine is celebrate, scale, love. Okay. So slightly different. Yeah, yeah. I think your scale is the same as my grow. Agreed. And then I think the other's two are different yeah but actually maybe quite reflected of you and me yeah they, I think they basically some of our personalities though really yeah. really well I'm like I want to reflect and, just and I just and want to meet and loads of people learning. and have like loads of like, fun I want to go out I'm like you go out and I'll sit and read and yeah. I think together we'll be really happy <laughs> okay <laughs> which I think we are pretty happy so I think we are very very lucky so hopefully that is another 10 questions to add to the other 10 from part one of this little mini series for you that you can reflect on for next year so that you can go 
into the year with really, really positive intent. You know what being your best looks like. You've got some clarity on your goals and how you align your time for it. I think it will probably take you a little bit of time to do all those 20 questions, but even just Sarah and I chatting about them, it's actually really, really helpful. I will listen to this back and almost write my own little notes of things that I might do. So maybe if there's somebody in your network, a peer or a friend, maybe this is something that you could chat about over yeah, a mood actually, wine. Yeah, it is a nice thing to do together. I yeah. actually do think that's, that's a good thing. Shall I talk a little bit about what's happening in January? Yes. With the podcast. So um, we're not going anywhere, don't worry. But we are going to have a bit of a squiggly career stories takeover mm-hmm. for January. So to celebrate the launch of the book, rather than doing just sponsoring our own podcast, which we did think about doing, do we just every week just go, please buy the book? Please buy the book again. Please buy the book for your friend. All of which are true. Please do do that. At the very end of this year, we have been interviewing a really wide range of different people about their squiggly career stories. We're very mindful that most of what we do is about helping you. And that's really our focus is things that you can go away and do and think about and take action on. But we know it's always really inspiring to hear about different people's careers as well. And you've probably put up with hearing enough about ours for for the last couple of years. And so in January, every Tuesday, there'll be a podcast episode as normal. But each episode will feature two or three different guests interviewed by either Helen or I, telling you just all about their their career so far. The ups, the downs, what they've learned, what's been really good. And the people are fascinating. So in the first week, we have Emma Gannon, who some of you will know. Um, she wrote a book called The Multi-Hyphen Method, and I think is almost the epitome of squiggly. Yeah. I think she's really kind of created her own and curated her own squiggly career. And we've got Levi Roots. So excited. Of <laughs> Dragon's Den fame. And then as the weeks goes on, lots of different people. So look out for those. Um, and then we'll resume back kind of normal service in February. But we just thought it would be a really nice way to celebrate the book. So hopefully something a bit different to look forward to uh, in January. So that is it for this week. We hope you are having a wonderful Christmas. Thank you so much for listening to the Squiggly Quiz podcast for all your support with everything we do we hope that we are supporting you in some way as well and we'll be back with you in the new year with lots of squiggly career stories thanks everybody thanks everyone thank you so much for listening bye even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 